Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Well, hey, welcome Project Church family again to Church Online. We're in this series called The And Series. And yes, we were very creative with it. I believe this series, man, we are so pumped about it. It is incredibly relevant, vital, and I believe so needed in this season. And I believe it's speaking directly to our season. Because often, and I don't know about you, but I've felt like I've had to pick a side in multiple different scenarios. But we're going through four choices uh, that are not meant to be exclusive. They're not meant to be one or the other. They're meant to be both and. So that's why we're calling it the and series. Last week, Chrissy talked about compassion and conviction. Powerful message. I highly recommend going back and watching that. Today, we're talking about prayer and action. And then we're talking about truth and love. And then justice and mercy. So I'd encourage you to not miss a single week of this message series because it's so uh, relevant and needed in this season. But I want to talk about prayer and action in the context of problem solving, in the context of solving big problems specifically, big problems in our world, big problems in our communities, prayer and action. Because I believe many of us have been acutely aware, we've been made acutely aware of major problems in our world and major problems in our, in our lives personally. If COVID has done one thing for me personally, it's felt like it's put a magnifying glass on all the problems that I've already had. And as much as it's been painful, it's actually been an incredible healing process for me because all these problems that were in in me anyways had the opportunity to rise to the surface and actually had opportunity to to find healing uh, in Jesus from all this. But we've been, been made aware of big problems in our world too. And that's why I believe this message is so critical for this season. See, we need prayer and action in order to solve big problems. We need big faith with big prayer and big action, taking these steps. But we don't need just both. I mean, I know we're talking about this and series, not both and, but we need the right order. We need to have the right priority in this circumstance, not just having both ingredients in the pot and we're good. We need to prioritize prayer in our lives. We need to have prayer first. So anybody else like me out there uh, and tend to skip uh, steps in like instructions or like a recipe, just go ahead, wherever you're at, just raise your hand nice and high. Give yourself a high five because you owned it. You're like me, and you're just like, hey, you read through the instruction manual on this furniture piece, and you're you're like, okay, here's a step, here's a step. And you're like, you know what? This is just going to take more time. I actually do not need to do this step. Here's where my my mind goes. This doesn't really apply to me, and I can get it done faster if I just skip this step, right? Easy win. And I skip the step, and what happens is that I end up paying for it in the end. I end up having to go back and do that step. And here's the deal. Prayer needs to be our priority. Prayer needs to be our first response. It needs to be our first step. 
And actually today, all I need to tell you to do is take the first step, is pray. That's the first thing you need to do. And when you focus on that, and that's why I'm saying all you need to do is pray, because when you pray with an authentic, humble heart, I believe it will lead you to the right action that will bring about change. When you pray with a humble heart, it will lead you to the right steps. It'll empower you. It'll equip you. God will equip you and give you the strength and understanding to go and do the right thing, to take the right action that will bring about change, that will bring about solutions to these big problems that are weighing on us, the the big problems that are in our world. And I'm so pumped to share with you this passage that God highlighted to me When it comes to prayer and action, I look at one man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah actually led change in solving a major problem in biblical history. He was a man of prayer and action, and he got things done. And I believe this is massive insight that speaks directly to all of us. How do we solve big problems? This was a national problem that Nehemiah was experiencing. I'm going to talk about it in just a sec. But we need prayer and we need action. And it's not just having both components. It's about prioritizing prayer, understanding the value, understanding the power of prayer. And when, when faced with a problem, we often just, our initial reaction is actually just that, a reaction. We want to first just take action. We want to solve it with a hammer and a nail. And we say, how, how can I fix this? And unfortunately, prayer is often an afterthought when it comes to this. Our actions will never amount to any change when we neglect the power of prayer and we skip the step like I often do with instructions on furniture. And I think we can make two mistakes here with like this idea of prayer and action. We're going to jump into scripture here in just a minute. But I, I really simply say there's two mistakes you can make. We can either take action and not pray, neglecting the power of prayer, Or we can pray, but not do anything about it and not take any action. And I'm submitting to you, I believe that if we pray but don't take action, we're not praying with a humble, receptive heart. Because I believe if we pray about problems in our world, about problems in our lives, we pray with a humble, receptive heart, God will lead us and empower us to the right action. When we pray first, he will lead us to that. But we often just undervalue the power of prayer. We, we, we skip the step of prayer and we want to just fix the problem. And we just want God to get on board with it. So sometimes we're like, oh yeah, we do need prayer. I do understand prayer, but it's an afterthought. So we come up with this great idea of what needs to be done. This is how we're going to solve this problem. This is how I'm going to solve this issue. And here, here we go. Oh, wait. Um, God, could you get on board with this idea real quick? By the way, I have this amazing idea, and I want you to bless it, pour out your spirit on it, and let's do this. But you're not actually asking for any feedback. You're not asking for the God of all wisdom to maybe give you a little direction and understanding with what type of action you should take. And I realize, uh, and the church staff can let you know this is true, by, uh, b- because I do this in our staff meetings sometimes. Sometimes, every now and 
then I'll get an amazing idea with our church. And we'll say, uh, this is how we're going to do this. I've got this great idea. And we'll come into staff meeting. I'll bust out the whiteboard and be like, here's what we need to do. We need to do this. Step one, start doing this. Step two, stop doing this. Step three, buy some nachos. Step four, do this. And that's how we're going to change the world. And then I'll, I'll be like waiting for the standing ovation to happen. And I'm like, all right, who's, who's on board with this? And then somebody will be like, but what about this? If this doesn't work, and how, I don't know if that's going to. And then we'll, we'll come to the reality. It comes, comes to my mind, and I realize I do this, is I wasn't asking for feedback. Like, as, as they're giving the feedback, I'm like, no, I wasn't asking for some, like, input or, like, I've already laid out the plans, and I, all I need from you is just to get on board with it. Like, get behind this amazing idea I have. Didn't you see the whiteboard? I have an amazing idea. Just get on board with it. And we, we view God like this as a partner. We, we come to him as an afterthought. Prayer is an afterthought. And we just want him to get on board and be like, God, bless, bless what I'm doing. And we don't come in at the early stage and say, God, do you even want me to do this? God, what do you want me to do? Give me the direction. Give me the understanding. Rather than having the quick and sometimes great uh, great intention of saying, I want to fix this. But when we have that quick, and we, uh, quick intention and we skip the step of prayer, we skip coming to God and praying and operating out of spirit of power and boldness when we take the action and even taking the right action. So this is massively important because when our first response is authentic prayer, and, and this is kind of the thesis of the message today, when, we, when our first response is authentic prayer, will be led, equipped, and empowered to take action that solves problems. And we're called to solve problems. The church, as a believer, as a Christ follower, you are called to solve problems. And I believe God is looking for a church. God's looking for people that are willing to say, I'm going to solve problems. God's looking for people, willing vessels that, that will submit themselves to God, be used, by God, be used by God to bring about change, to be a conduit of his miraculous power and bring about change in this world. This season, man, there's a lot of problems. But when God sees these problems, he sees opportunities for miracles, opportunities to, to bring about change, and opportunities to use the church, opportunities to be used by you. And here's why I say this, is because Nehemiah was a normal person like you and me. He was a man of prayer and action. And when I look at his story, I see that this priority of prayer resulted in a solution to a problem that, get this, was over 100 years old in this nation. And I don't know about you, but I see problems that are big, that are not solvable, not quick solutions that are over a hundred years old and that that many people are asking how do we solve this problem i want to i want to challenge this church i want to challenge the church i want to call the church to pray and to seek god for a solution here's what nehemiah did and this is the context it was 445 bc under the rule of artaxerxes the persian king remember that there will be a test after this. 445, Artaxerxes, Persian king. Got it. Over 100 years had passed since 
Israel had been taken captive by Babylon. So there were thousands of Israelites that were taken captive, and these are God's chosen people. The same, the, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And many of us know that we're, the, the nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt, and Moses brought about, about uh, the Exodus. And these the same people were the ones that walked through the Red Sea as it parted. They were the same group of people that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And the same people, or the ancestors of, that, that uh, entered into the promised land and saw God do amazing things. And the same chosen people that rejected God and didn't listen to what he said. And then after 100 years, after several hundred years of being in the promised land, God allowed them to be taken captive and brought into Babylon, Assyria, and Persia. So Nehemiah was one of these people. He was an Israelite, and he had never actually lived in the country of Israel, but probably his grandparents did. But uh, despite being in captivity, he actually had a position of authority and something that meant something. He was a cupbearer to the king. That was Nehemiah's position. And this role, it came with some authority, but the primary role was just to serve wine to the king, and also it was to test it, to make sure it wasn't poison. As I read this, I thought, I actually have a similar role in my household when I give my daughters cookies or maybe some Skittles or some Starburst. I'm like, hey, I got to test one uh, to make sure it's not poison because I'm just that kind of humble servant father. But in this chapter, we find out, uh, he finds out, he was, that the, the, he finds out the, the problem, and it devastates him. He, he finds out after a hundred years that the walls of the city of Jerusalem had lain in ruins since 586 BC. And his heart was broken, and that brokenness, that brokenheartedness led him to prayer. And I think this connects great with last week's message on compassion and conviction, um, being, experiencing the brokenheartedness of, of, of the world and seeing tragedy. Lament is an okay response. Uh, I, I love this quote because here, here's, here's what happened. After he experienced this, after he, after he prayed, that led him to action. And 52 days later, after hearing the news of the walls being broken for 100 years, the walls being in ruins, the gates being torched by flames. 52 days later, the completion of the rebuilding of those same walls was completed. This is because he prioritized prayer and that led him to action. This is the quote I was about to share from a great commentator. Like many since his time, Nehemiah's greatness came from asking great things of God and attempting great things in reliance on him. That's what Nehemiah was known for. He solved the major biblical problem, a major problem in biblical history because he prioritized prayer and that led him to action. Let's jump in. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Verse 3 says, They said to me, and this is... uh, Nehemiah's friends bring him back this word, that the remnant there in the province who had survived 
the exile, is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, this is Nehemiah saying, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see that? I just want to pause in the middle of reading that. He was authentic with God. And he wept for days. He cried, bawled his eyes out before God because this broke his heart. And I think sometimes we mess this up uh, with our perspective of God, our perspective of prayer and approaching God, is we think we need to fix ourselves up in order before we come to God. But be real with God. That's what he wants. He knows you already. So just bring all of your mess to God. You don't have to clean yourself up before you go to God. If you have a broken heart, if you're brokenhearted because of this, if you're experiencing pain, I, man, I've been reading through the Psalms and something I've, I've highlighted in my journal is that lament is an appropriate response to God, is an appropriate response to tragedy and bringing that to God. And often what happens in the Psalms is that as, as we bring that lament, lament, he speaks to us and informs us and gives us hope. Allow your heart to break for the things that breaks God's heart. Verse five, continuing on. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He's praising God. He's giving God glory. He's recognizing his power. And then verse six, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. And this is what I want to focus in. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who do delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this name. Let's pray that God would speak to us from his word. Lord, I thank you so much that you are the God of hope. And I just ask that you would instill in us hope and faith and boldness and give us favor. Instill in us some truth today. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that and I noticed, like, number one, the authenticity of it. Like I'm saying, like the authentic prayer leads to the right action. will equip you. God will, through prayer, he'll equip you, empower you, and lead you to take the right action that's going to bring about change. A couple things I noticed is that he was repentant. He declared God, God's goodness. He was just like in awe of God. Like I loved reading that. And he had a receptive heart. He didn't pray with an agenda. And you may not know what the solution is to these big problems. Because I don't. But I know the first step is prayer. And I want to just share four things 
that I believe will encourage us today of, of what happens when we prioritize prayer and, and how that will lead to bringing about change, how that will, bring, how that will lead to bringing about solutions to these vast problems and to make an impact, a kingdom impact, because we prioritize prayer. Number one is this. When you pray first, God will give you faith. See, he started off with lament. He started off with mourning, and he didn't see what was possible. He said, man, this is awful. And, but when he began to pray, and he just started to declare how great God is, he's the God of the universe, the creator of all things, and he's listening to me right now. Man, he starts to see what is possible. And spoiler alert, Scripture says with God, all things are possible. When we, when we fail to, to pray first, we'll only see hopelessness. But when we pray and start to declare how good God is, we'll see how he sees. We'll see all the things that are possible. And that's what prayer often is, is aligning ourselves, our heart and mind, what we see to how God sees it. We're looking through our own lens. We have experience, we have baggage, and we're looking at situations through our experiences. There's almost no way of getting around it. But when we come to God in prayer, we start to see how he sees, and we think differently. We see hope. We see possibility. What we used to think is like, there's no way this can be changed. There's no way this can, this can be solved. All of a sudden, we're like, hey, this can happen. Um, when my oldest daughter was learning uh, to ride a bike, my main job with her was just to tell her, you can do this. I'll be like, hey, say with me, say it with me. I can do this. Because her experiences would tell her that she couldn't do it because she would, she would wreck and hurt herself. It would be painful. And so that would, that would tell, her mind would de- determine and she would make an agreement with the belief that I can't do this because this is painful. I can't do this because I just biffed it really hard. But I would tell her, it's like, hey, you can do this. Say this with me. I can do this. And this, this highlights the power of our belief, uh, the, the power of faith. Henry Ford said this, uh, and, I, and I just love it. He says, Whenever, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. See, we have to understand that the power of our beliefs is, is basically the most important thing about us. And often we don't allow God to check our beliefs and align them to, to see how he sees and see that the possibility, see that there is hope in hopeless situations because he is the God of hope. See, Nehemiah was able to solve a problem because he aligned his heart to God's heart and he allowed God to speak to him and see how he sees because he prioritized prayer. Second thing is this, when you pray first, God will give you understanding. See, after his prayer, he not only had the faith, he didn't even say like, hey, this is possible, but he knew what he was supposed to do. Through prayer, he was equipped to say, I'm the one to lead this charge. God spoke to him. He, God gave him direction. And we often want to do this, like I was saying earlier about the instructions. We often want to act on something that God never told us to do. And now maybe it's a good idea, like I was talking about how I get my whiteboard out with our staff, and it's like, it's a great idea. But, but with these big problems, did God ever tell you to do this? Now, I'm not saying with small ideas that, or small problems that come to us, we need to stop and pray for three days. Like if my daughter came up, came up to me and she had skinned her knee, and she was like, Daddy, I need, some, I need a Band-Aid. I'm not going to be like, 
hold up. I gotta, I'm going to go to prayer for three days, maybe four days, and I'll get back to you. No, you take immediate action. So don't misinterpret that uh, in that way. But, but seeing the big problems and responding with, with, un, with prayer will lead us to understanding. Um, when uh, another illustration with my kids, apparently this is a big theme today. Uh, when my, th- this happened the other day. Um, I saw a problem. Like we ran into a problem, I, but it was a problem with me. I wanted my daughter to get ready for bed and she wasn't doing it. The problem was disobedience. And by the end of the day, I'm a little less patient. I'll say it that way, especially after a long day. And I don't have the patience I would maybe in the morning. And uh, so after asking her a few times, I was like, man, why don't you have this done? And I voiced my frustration with her and I actually saw her freeze up and, and hold back emotion. And I could tell something was going on with her. And I wanted to just execute my authority and be like, hey, if you don't do this, you're, you're getting a whooping, right? If you don't do this, you're going on time out. But I felt, I, by the grace of God, I had the patience to actually lean in and seek understanding about what was going on. Actually, I felt God kind of show me and give me some insight into what was going on because I saw her very frustrated or very, very uh, upset with herself that she had disappointed me. She was disappointed in herself because she wants to please her dad. And then as, as I started to understand that, I started to solve the real problem. And I started to bring about the biggest, bigger solution, which is a close relationship with my daughter. And I was able to tell her, instead of, instead of getting on her and be like, look, you need to do this when I say it, which, which is important. Obedience is important and all that. But as I listened to her, I was able to speak truth into the situation and bring about the right action, which I was able to tell her, hey, no matter what you do, no matter if you forget to do this, I'm still going to love you. Because she had concluded in her mind that, hey, if, I, if I'm disappointing dad, that means he loves me less. And I, would, I didn't want that to be a question in her mind. And as she did that, I saw her countenance change. And it was all because I saw understanding first. And I believe God gave me that understanding. And see, many of us see problems in our world, and we want to solve them with quick actions. We need to change this law. We need to change this. We need to defund these people. But without prayer... We're lacking the understanding that we're even taking the right action. So I want to challenge the church to pray. See, here's what Proverbs 2 says. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, Nehemiah was able to get direction. He was able to have understanding and know what to do because he prioritized prayer and he sought after God's heart. We cannot skip that step. Pray first. When you pray first, you'll get faith. You'll get understanding. The third thing is this. God will give you boldness. See, many times when we act first and skip the prayer part, not only do we not even know if we're going in the right direction, but we're operating in our own strength and we don't have the boldness that comes from prayer, from from the Holy Spirit. See, Nehemiah prayed first and he went and did a very bold thing. He went to the king with risking his life. See, when 
Nehemiah, if someone like Nehemiah went to the king without permission for any other reason to bring him his cup of wine, the king would most likely, very often, just say, hey, off with this dude's head. Who is this guy coming into my presence without my permission? But I believe Nehemiah was filled with a Holy Spirit boldness. Now, this doesn't mean you do things that, that, aren't, that you're not using wisdom. And that's why God gives you understanding, right? But he had the boldness to go and ask for the king's blessing to go and fix the walls. He had boldness. You see, I read the book of Acts, and I read about how they were filled with the Spirit of God. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. See, Peter was this timid guy, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke to 3,000 people, and all these people got saved on that day. He spoke the word of God boldly, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen timid people go to God in prayer, be filled with the Spirit of God, and all of a sudden you're like, who is this person? They seem really shy. They're not the outgoing type. But when the Spirit of God comes on them, they are operating with boldness and they're saying, no, this is what I'm called to do and I'm going to do it. And, and it shocks everybody and says, hey, that person's not operating on their own strength. How, that, per- that doesn't seem like that person. That's because they're operating on the boldness that God will impart to you. See, Nehemiah was able to solve this big problem because he was bold. If he didn't have that boldness to go and risk his life, then this solution would never have happened. But it was because he was prayed up and filled with the Spirit of God. When we pray first, God will give you boldness. And lastly, when you pray first, God will give you favor. I love in verse 11, Nehemiah's prayer, he he directly asked for it. He said, God, give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. He was asking for favor. And you know what? He got it. God answered that prayer. He not only had the boldness to go before the king and say, hey, you know that that, that country I'm from, you know, we're all kind of taken captive from this. Well, the city is in, in shambles and um, and that really breaks the heart of God because that's his chosen people and that's where his presence is supposed to dwell in this Old Testament age. And I have this burden and I feel like I'm supposed to be the person to lead the charge. Can I not only do it, but will you send me some of the resources I need to do this? God gave him favor. All those things happened. Nehemiah was able to rebuild the wall in 52 days because of God's blessing, because of God's favor. That, that's what the favor means. It means you didn't deserve this. This, this couldn't happen without God. I don't know how many times I've heard the phrase, this normally doesn't happen, but fill in the blank. And that always, always happens because of God's favor. That always happens when I'm prayed up. And, and, I, and I can account to all these times that I didn't see it happen. I look back and like, I, I should have been prayed up. I haven't been praying in this season. I was acting before praying. And... and Often we miss out on God's favor. We miss out on, on the opportunity for miracles because we're not praying. Man, I, I was thinking back uh, this week uh, to probably about 10 years ago when I was a youth pastor and I had this burden for, for teenagers and I still do that are lost, that are hurting, that are without Jesus because that's where I was as a teenager. 
And uh, there was this school down the street from our church. And uh, God started to highlight that, that school. And I just felt this burden for those kids. And um, we did this big night. We called it invite night. It was the night to invite everybody you knew. My goal was to get as many kids there as possible. And the trick is pizza and games and Mountain Dew. And then they show up. But um, we also, that doesn't always work. We decided to do this assembly to promote it. And I was partnering with this guy who actually does assemblies and he was going to speak that night. So the day of the event, I actually reached out to the principal um, beforehand. I was starting to build relationship and the principal said, you know what? We actually would love for you to come and do this assembly for, for this school, for our teenagers. And I was like, sweet. Okay, let's, let's do it. And uh, I was there and I did a few of the games. My friend was there who had these like big inflatable things, was doing fun games with them. And he was about to, and he was going in to sharing his story of how his life was changed. And the goal was to say, hey, come tonight. We're gonna talk about this more. And my friend who's done hundreds of these assemblies told me that this was the worst group of kids, the most disrespectful group of kids he's ever had. Matter of fact, as he was, trying to, to, to share. He said, hey, could you quiet down? Could you give me some respect? And the, the young man decided to give him the middle finger. And it was right then and there when the dude just walked off. Like my friend who's done hundreds of these assemblies, like I can't, I can't do it. And then in my head, I was going, this isn't the way I pictured this event going. And I thought, man, like that's not, that's not good. This is not going well. But after that, it ended really awkwardly, obviously. But what happened afterwards was one of those things where it says, this normally doesn't happen, but because after that, this swarm of kids came up to, came up to us and were asking for flyers so they can invite their friends. Because although there was a few kids that were being very disrespectful, they all wanted to know how the story ended and they were all interested and they wanted to come to this event. And as a matter of fact, as we left, a lot of the teachers saw us passing by and asked, the, asked us to come into their classroom and share the gospel message with the class. And, and that night, there was, there was our biggest attendance we've ever had at this event, at our, at our youth group that we had. And the most important thing was that dozens of young people gave their life to Jesus and I believe that was because we were prayed up. I, I, was, I was having this team of people in our church just praying for God to move, for these young people to find life and freedom in Jesus, to find hope and healing. And, and I look back at that moment, I was like, this couldn't have happened. Like all these teachers, like normally we don't do this. The teachers weren't supposed to tell us to come in and share the gospel. They weren't supposed to be even passing out the flyers. I found out afterwards. But so often we say this normally doesn't happen, but... That's God's favor. That's God's power. That's God's blessing on this. When we pray first, we will open up the opportunity for, for, the, for the Holy Spirit to do what only he can and bring about favor in our lives and favor, favor in, this, in, in our ventures and the actions we're about to take to solve these problems. God opens these doors that we could never open. And in, in closing up, I just feel like catastrophe, like disaster, pandemic, all this stuff, all these problems, 
This is an opportunity for God to show off. I'm going to remind you of that. It's an opportunity for God to use people like you and me to bring about meaningful change, to point people to the one who gives hope and healing. Problems are opportunities for God to move. Man, 2020 has been rough. There's been plenty of problems, but that means there's plenty of opportunities. And I believe when we pray first, when we go to God and say, God, use me, God, I'm brokenhearted. God, give me understanding. Give me faith. Give me boldness. Give me favor. There's no stopping. There's no limit to what God can do. What if we prayed bold, authentic prayers like Nehemiah and humbly were brave enough and bold enough to take action on what God calls us to? I believe if the church responded that way by praying authentically and being led to take action on meaningful change, there's no, there's no limits. Like I just said, God can do immeasurably more than we can even think or imagine. And we pr- we're prayed up and we love our neighbor. But if we were prayed up and we stand up for what's right and take a stand, what if we're prayed up and take action with faith, with understanding, with boldness and favor? I believe the biggest miracles in your life will happen when you combine that bold, authentic prayer and bold a- action. I want to pray right now for us in this moment. Maybe God's speaking to you, but let's, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much, even in this online service that you are speaking to us. And I, and I want to demonstrate this now that, that I would prioritize the power of prayer. We come to you seeking your heart and not just your hand, not just your blessing. We want to seek your heart. Pray that you would speak to us as a church as a church as a whole, but also as Project Church, the people watching this live stream would experience your understanding and faith and boldness and favor. We submit our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here and, um, man, this message just spoke to you. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, There should be a link to to, uh, let us know a little bit more about that. But also if you're here and you want to know Jesus personally, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know what it means to pray. You just feel far from God. And the whole purpose of our church, the vision statement, is to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And we want to give you that opportunity right now just to pray this prayer. If that's you, just pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And I ask you to come into my life, forgive my sin, and make me new. Give me strength to live for you in Jesus' name. And also, if, if that's you, we would love to connect with you further. And there's some instructions on the screen on how to do that. But I pray that you live this out today. I'm praying for you. And we love you, church. Have a great day today. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving Uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.